everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. So just before I get started uh, talking about all the different K-dramas from more the second half of 2019, I just let you know, so the structure of this episode is pretty much going to be the same as last week. I'm going to run through just the dramas one at a time, and then I'm going to talk also um, <laughs> under my segment, Random Thing. Uh, my Random Thing of the Week is going to be the all the K-dramas that I've missed this year, you know, that kind of slipped by and I didn't get a chance to try them out yet. Um, and there's quite a few that I... I will definitely go back and give them a go because I think they sound really good. Um, And then I'm still going to do my something I'm loving in my personal section. Uh, Although I kind of feel like maybe I already did my personal section uh, this week at the start. Uh, So anyway, let's get on with the K-drama show. Okay, so the first K-drama that I'm going to talk about is Sky Castle. So this drama is, I guess, would you describe it as a mukjang, like a very melodramatic, kind of like soapy kind of show. You know what? K-dramas are often, like for people who don't really watch them, I, I find that other people often describe them as soaps or very soapy kind of shows. And I always feel, to be honest, a little bit fucking offended by that because I'm like, oh my gosh, they're not like, K-dramas aren't like Bold and the Beautiful or like that crazy American show. Like they're not like, some dumb soap opera. These are great shows. But in saying that, I I probably would describe Sky Castle as having some of that soapy sort of appeal. It's one of these shows that is about, you know, has a huge cast and is about you know, very richy, rich, riches sort of riching it up in the city um, and living their lives. It was a huge hit when it came out. Uh, it's a 20 episode show. And I am pretty sure that I read somewhere that it is getting picked up for an, an adaption overseas. I can't remember if that was maybe an American adaption of it, I think, but I'm not sure. And I know there are a lot of American adaptions of um, different K-dramas, which I, I find really interesting. Not that I've watched any of the American ones, because frankly, I imagine they're not quite as but maybe they are. I don't know. I'm just such a K-drama fan. I don't think I can really (laughs) divert from that at this point. Um, So anyway, Sky Castle is basically it's about these women who live in this. It's kind of a mm, 
not an apartment building, but sort of like a complex, like an estate, like a gated estate with all these huge, big, richy, rich sort of mansions. And you only get to live there via invitation if you have like a specific sort of amazing high up university job. So all their husbands kind of work in this, uh, I can't remember if it's hospital or university, but very high end kind of stuff. And everyone is bonkers rich and, you know, kind of trying to outdo each other and, you know, have more perfect families and have children who are higher achievers than their neighbors. So the women are all friends, but they're also very much, you know, very competitive with each other. So it's a very interesting kind of vibe. Um, And then pretty much at the very beginning of the show, one of these women who seems to have everything together the most with the most perfect family in the son who's gotten into you know the best university with the best highest marks suddenly goes walking in the middle of the night and shoots herself in the head with a shotgun and that is really the event that kicks off the whole drama because these other women that were her friends but also kind of like frenemies I guess think like desperate housewife uh, housewife kind of stuff that American show uh, which I did really enjoy I think this would be very similar Um, And the show then obviously delves into, you know, what the husbands are doing, what the wives are doing, and then what their kids are doing. Because they have a lot of kids who are in high school. Um, I think something that's interesting for me is one of the young girls, you know, the high school age girls in this is played by Kim Hae-yoon, who who stars in Extraordinary You, which is one of the dramas I enjoyed most uh, in 2009. Um, So I think she's amazing. And I think this might have been a bit of a breakout for her. I certainly hadn't seen her in anything prior to this. Um, So I did watch quite a few episodes of this, but I didn't get hooked in the way that I think you sort of have to for these kind of melodramas, like kind of more soapy melodramas. You need to be really, really invested in all the twists and turns and all the shocks. And I found myself really interested in um, kind of the teen stuff a little bit more than the adult stuff. But the teen stuff just doesn't really get as much screen time as the adult stuff and you know that's just such a personal taste thing I've mentioned a million times on this show like I really like youth dramas so I was very drawn to you know the kind of uh, I guess themes that the teen sections were sort of exploring and I have read um, a review online for Sky Castle saying, you know, that the teen stuff is really, really good and it is a really big portion of the drama. So part of me, particularly after seeing the actress Kim Hae-yoon in Extraordinary You, kind of wants to go back and give this another go. Um, but at the same time, you know, just depends on on my time, <laughs> I suppose. So I think I did enjoy what I saw of this, but for some reason, and it wasn't it wasn't that I didn't like it. It just didn't have that absolute addictive hook to kind of make me keep going and keep going and kind of uh, sink further into you know the kind of daily melodrama of these people's lives. Um, so I don't know. I think I would suggest this drama. Obviously, the fact that it it has done so well and been so successful shows that I do think it's a really good show it just might maybe it's not the right show for me or maybe I wasn't in the right frame of mind when I was watching it I'm not really sure but I'd be very interested if any of you guys have watched it and what you thought particularly if you did watch to the very end um, yeah if you thought it was worth it or how you felt about it and what you liked about it I would love to know so that one for me was I didn't finish it 
And I think maybe potentially I would go back in the future, but I'm just not really completely sure about it. Uh, so that's probably it from me on Sky Castle. So next on my list is the K-drama Angel's Last Mission, Love. Uh, so this drama is a 16 episode, um, I guess you'd say a romance, there's a little bit of comedy, um, just a little bit of a mixed bag, it's got supernatural elements. Um, I really fucking loved this drama, it was really really charming, really fun, really interesting and I really liked the plot. I liked what was going on, but I think one of the biggest sort of selling points of this whole show is the lead actor and actress. They're both beautiful to look at. Like they're such good looking people. I just enjoyed seeing them on screen. I think they had nice chemistry. I liked the romance. Um, I just really, really enjoyed this one. So this one is about an angel called Kim Dan, played by Elle or Kim Myung-soo, who is, you know, insanely handsome and was really good in this. I really enjoyed his performance. He's a bit over the top, but I actually thought that was quite sweet. Um, so he plays this sort of idiotic, blustering angel who ends up, you know, getting tied into this connection with this very cold young ballerina whose entire life is an absolute tragedy and she's turned into an absolute ice queen as a result. So that um, the actress who plays her is Shin Hae-sun, who I really, really like. Um, and so basically this angel just sort of I guess forces himself into this ballerina's life and he ends up trying to help her and they end up falling in love and it turns out that um, you know they had a connection in their youth of course and his story ends up the angel's story ends up being quite sad and tragic um, so I really liked this show because I think it has this really almost fairy floss elements to it that are very sweet and very funny particularly surrounding um the, the angel character Dan at the beginning of the show but it also wasn't really afraid to get very dark and emotional with a lot of tragedy and sort of angst and but not like I don't want to say tragedy just for the sake of tragedy like to make the viewer gasp or anything it was it was very moving um, to find out, you know, particularly the angel's backstory and what happened to him as a child and why he died. It, it's very moving and I really liked that element of the show. Um, and I think, you know, it was a really nice thing to see this very cold ice queen ballerina begin to fight kind of the system around her that is controlling her and begin to breathe again through her connection with this angel and you know through falling in love she begins to wake up and experience the world again so I really enjoyed this drama and I really liked all the supernatural elements too they were a lot of fun um, the baddie is you know he's a proper baddie and and that's quite good as well <laughs> I quite enjoyed it so I definitely definitely recommend Angel's Last Mission Love if you have time for a 16 episode, just a bit of a mixed bag drama with all the emotions and all the romance and all the comedy and everything thrown together. Um, yeah, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. It's not, I wouldn't say it was one of my favourites of the year, but it was quite addictive and just, just quite gorgeous, I suppose. So yeah, definitely recommend this one. That's all I have to say on Angel's Last Mission, Love.
Oh, and I, I actually should just say for Angel's Last Mission Love, I did do a whole podcast episode on that previously on the show. So if you are deciding whether or not to watch it and you would like to know a bit more in depth um, what it's about and how that story unfolds, you can just go back and listen to that episode. And all right, I'm moving on. <laughs> So next up, I'm talking about Arthal Chronicles. So Arthal Chronicles came out, um, it was like a huge Netflix production. Um, obviously, a fuck ton of money was spent on this show. Um, it says here it had 18 episodes. Um, so I watched quite a bit of this, but I didn't watch through to the end. Um, I got a little bit... I don't want to say bored, but I guess my attention did begin to wander a little bit with all the politics. And I found myself really enjoying certain aspects of the show, which would be, you know, the main character's sort of journey to free these slaves that were taken from his tribe. And also the female lead's journey, I, I really enjoyed. But the kind of, um, the actual... All the political stuff and the sides, it's not even a side story, probably one of the main stories um, played by the actor Jung Dong-gun is uh, Targon. So I think I think that this whole drama is basically based on these like very, very early myths and legends about this hero who sort of creates, you know, a very, very early version of Korea. So it's one of those historical um stories that's kind of been you know changed uh, through time um, and so the beginning of this story is very kind of based in myths and these supernatural elements to it so I do think this show looks really good um, they've certainly spent a long time uh, with the way that it looks I wasn't probably mad excited when I first heard about it just because I'm not particularly a massive fan of any of the actors or actresses in it but I certainly gave it a go um, and I did watch quite a bit but I found that so much of the show was focusing on you know this son of the king and uh, played by Jung Dong-gun who is you know, he's a very famous actor, but I don't particularly, probably, I'm not particularly a fan of his. And there was so much about him sort of, you know, trying to take over from his father and all this political stuff. And I found myself tuning out a little bit. Um, but what I did like about the show was the story of this young warrior who we see from his backstory, he's actually not entirely human and he's part of this older race that has been completely exterminated um, and he is on the run. So as a child, he ends up sort of integrating with this tribe of people who live these very kind of idyllic lives and this tribe then gets... Um, taken over and brought back to this massive city as slaves um, but this young warrior guy played by Song Joong-ki uh, who's massively famous of course um, I do quite like him but I'm not you know I wouldn't follow him around drama land um, but I did think he was very good in this even though he had to wear bright purple lipstick the entire time which was pretty fucking weird but other than that it was good um so I did enjoy seeing him you know this young warrior trying to free his friends and it's all quite yeah, it was very dramatic and very exciting and there was some really cool action. So I did like all that stuff. Um, and I also liked at the beginning of the drama, which is like, you know, a flashback to um, Jung Dong-gun's character when he is younger, a warrior. And he's played by an actor that I thought was very good. 
um, I'm just trying to find him here. <laughs> so hilariously, I just took a, a short break then to look up the name of this actor who plays one of the main characters when he's like younger, and he's played by an actor called One, as in O N E One. So I'm gonna guess that with a name like that, he must be a K-pop dude, um, like an idol maybe. He was very good. Uh, he was a bit of a scene stealer at the beginning of the show, but he's only in it for like an episode or something. Um, I guess I feel a little bit complicated about this drama. I did enjoy what I saw of it and it's very big production. There was some very exciting elements to it, but in the end, I don't know, it's just, it seemed to be focusing on the characters and the storylines that were least interesting to me and less on the things that I kind of wanted to see and that were very exciting. Um, and maybe part of that too is when a show is created on this scale with this kind of production level and so much money and so much buzz, you know, you do sort of expect maybe a lot. And I do think the show was good, but maybe I had kind of been thinking it might be something like really, really amazing. Um, I don't really know. I guess this one didn't really hook me. It didn't really get inside my heart and I certainly... I guess I never felt emotional about the characters enough to care what was going to happen to anybody. So that's why I suppose when my attention started wandering a little bit during a lot of the political scenes, I wasn't really hooked enough on any of the characters to be like, no, I've got to keep watching through this to find out what happens to them. So I guess that's all I'll probably say on Arfdal Chronicles. Um, but I would, I would suggest that it's still a drama that you could check out if it sounds interesting to you. I probably didn't make it sound very interesting at all, but I think it's probably, you know, if you're into it, it's probably a very cool show but it just wasn't really for me but at the same time you know I don't feel anything negative towards it either it's almost more of a eh I could take it or leave it and you know if you feel like that about a k-drama you generally you're gonna leave it because who has time for a eh you could take it or leave it kind of k-drama you know I don't there's so many good ones that I just kind of want to move on to something else um so yeah that's it from me on Arthdal Chronicles Alrighty, next up is Justice. So this is another K-drama that I really, really loved this year and I did do a whole episode on, on the podcast where I really went into detail about what the show is about and, you know, what its vibes are. Um, so I'll just do like a really quick overview. This is a 16 episode, um, you know, very serious kind of criminal conspiracy show. It really doesn't hold back in terms of the plot and the kind of, I guess, abuse realistically um, that it explores. It's a very good looking show. It's very slick. It's, um, you know, kind of this real dark, gloomy filter, but everything looks very sharp and good, even when, you know, a lot of it is kind of really grimy sort of areas and creepy places. And it's very much about political corruption and, you know, about the idea that a lot of old men politicians and, um, you know, high ups in the prosecution office or, you know, all these different areas of huge, immense power in Seoul and really what what you can do with power like that, which isn't necessarily very good, Um so it, that was really interesting. Um, the other thing that I really liked, other than just the plot being, you know, very 
dark and interesting is the character growth. Um, the the main character played by Ch- uh, Che Jin Hyuk, uh, you know, he really begins the drama as a really shitty guy like he's really bad he's an anti-hero all the way and he kind of becomes a lot better um quite quickly but at the same time he he has this huge character growth journey that he has to go through just to accept the truth I suppose so I found his character journey very very well written and really interesting Um, I always say one of my favorite things about K-dramas is how they can turn someone who is potentially very, very unlikable and unethical into a human being that you can root for, that you want to, you want them to succeed, you know, and you want them to be happy and live a good life. Um, So this drama is basically about a star lawyer who made a deal with the devil to commit some kind of vengeance murders after the death of his brother the wrongful death of his younger brother and then seven years later he begins to think that maybe he got played and maybe his deal with the devil was in you know a literal deal with the devil not literal sorry there's no supernatural elements but you know what I mean like maybe it wasn't that great (laughs) after all um so it's a really interesting show um I really it's you know it's just fast-paced it's kind of a thriller I suppose and it's very heavily plotted and very exciting so for like a crime show it's definitely not a crime procedural because it's one overarching mystery and we're delving and peeling back the layers every episode but it's a very very exciting plot it's filmed amazingly all the acting is incredible um you really like the characters and you really root for them and it's very interesting to watch them change and grow uh so i definitely recommend this show justice if you are You know, if you like crime stuff, basically, if you like a serious sort of thriller, then definitely check out Justice. It is well worth your time. Next up, I'm talking about the K-drama Rookie Historian Gu Rung. So this K-drama is, I think it must be 20 episodes. It says here it's 40 episodes, um, but I think that's because they're doing that, you know, chop that one episode in half for no reason at all um, and show them at the same time. Uh, so this drama is a saguk, it's a historical. Uh, it stars Shin Se Kyung, who is an actress that I really, really like. Um, I saw her in The Girl Who Sees Smells, which is the fucking worst title. Um, I saw that a long time ago and I really, really liked her. So I've seen her in a few things since then. Um, just She's kind of an actress that I would like to check out her projects for her. Um, I think I've read reviews where people say she's not such a great actress. I'm not really sure. She seems good to me. Um, Sometimes I do wonder sometimes about that language barrier. You know, I spend a lot of time reading subtitles. (laughs) So maybe I miss some nuances in terms of someone's acting ability. But as far as I can see, she seems very good. Um, the male lead is played by a very up-and-coming young actor called Cha Eun Woo, and he was in um, oh my gosh, I forgot the name. He was starring in ID Gangnam Beauty, which came out in 2018 and was, frankly, was a really extraordinary drama. <laughs> so he's sort of, I think, rocketed to stardom 
basically because of ID Gangnam Beauty and now he's starring in this historical drama. Um, I mm, I don't love him, but not for any particular particular reason at all. <laughs> I just don't find that he is has like the kind of on-screen presence that I you know, I don't find him that charming, I guess. I don't really know why, because I know a lot of people really, really adore him. And, you know, that's obviously completely fine. I don't know what that kind of disconnect is that I have with that actor that I just don't particularly enjoy watching him, I guess. I don't really know why. Um, and I do wonder if that sort of impacted my enjoyment of this drama. Um, it starts off... Um, you know, it's set in Joseon times and it does come across as, you know, at the beginning anyway, as quite frothy, uh, quite light. Um, I didn't get that far into it, to be honest. Um, I do think it sounds quite interesting because um, I guess it's kind of looking at a bit of, I don't want to say gender reversal kind of role stuff, but in a way, I suppose, you know, the female lead, it's a little bit more centered around her and her, you know, journey to becoming recognized for her skills. And, and she wants to become a historian, even though girls can't be historians. So it's kind of about her doing that. And meanwhile, he, um, the male lead, is actually an author of romance novels, which is something that, you know, I guess it would be sort of orientated more about women or something like that. Um, so it is kind of playing with those, I think, gender ideals a little bit. Um, and I did find it interesting, but I just didn't get that far into it. I don't really know why. I do wonder if it's just that, you know, I couldn't really get hooked on the idea of the romance because I, f I just am not really that into the actor. Um, I'm not really sure. I, I Because I do love historicals so much, I would like to I would like to like it. So I probably will give this one another go because I think it was probably just me. Maybe it was timing. I don't know. So I would like to try this one again in the future because I really just didn't even get far enough into it to sort of, you know, even figure out what it really was and what its vibe was going to be once it got settled and where it was going to go. So I would like to try this one again, particularly because I do like Shin Se-kyung quite a lot and I would like to see her, you know, as a lead role in a drama, particularly a historical, because I enjoy those. Um, and I do like the idea of it, of um, the story about a young woman who's sort of, you know, trying to burst through the restrictions that are laid upon her because of her gender. So that is quite an interesting storyline. Um, so I would like to see this one. So probably I will go back and give this one another go. So I'd be very interested if anyone else has watched it. Um, and if you have, did you finish it? And did you like it? Um, <laughs> would you suggest it? I would love to know. So I think I can't really talk very much about this one, considering how little of it I did see. Uh, but that is it from me on Rookie Historian Guhe Rung. Next up, we have the youth drama At 18. So At 18 or Moment of 18 is a 16 episode drama. It is, you know, very much so first love, coming of age, all that kind of stuff. It's set in a high school um, and it stars an actor called Ong Sung-woo, uh, actress Kim Hyung-gi. And then rounding out that love triangle is Shin Sung-ho. So... 
I know none of these people. Uh, this is a pretty big cast and there's barely a face in it. I recognize there are, you know, maybe some of the older ones, but all the young ones to me are completely new, fresh faced, very young. Um, I watched a few episodes of this and I just didn't, I just didn't love it. And it, it, it's very strange to me because I think it has all the elements that I should love. Um, and I kept sort of just pushing myself to watch more episodes because I just couldn't understand what it was that I wasn't enjoying so much. It is um, pretty much centered about this young boy who transfers to this high school and is immediately ostracized by everybody except this, you know, very young, beautiful um, and quite popular girl who is nice to him. And there's a lot of bullying and I don't, you know, I watch a lot of youth dramas and they all feature a lot of bullying. And I did sometimes I guess that can kind of wear me down a little bit if it's too relentless and I did feel like it's a, a little bit relentless in this but although I don't really know why because when I think about it the bullying in this isn't even as vicious as I have seen it in other dramas um where I didn't really have that same like feeling like I was getting burned out by watching it so I don't really know what it was about this show and why it just didn't um, hook me and make me feel like you know addicted to it because it certainly has the elements that I like you know it has an outsider boy who comes in and then you know immediately you know everyone in his class tries to sort of you know, squeeze him into a box and make him, you know, the uncool outsider kid, but he's just sort of having none of it. He really stands up for himself as much as he can. And meanwhile, there's this really nice girl who's just becomes his friend. They obviously like each other immediately. And she's willing to sort of stand up to everyone and make up her own mind about him, which is a theme that I really, really love. The idea of not bending to that mob mentality and making your own decisions when you meet someone about whether they're a good person or a nice person or someone you want in your life. Instead of just being like, you know, my friend said that person's shit, so I guess that that's how I feel too. You know, like I really liked that about this female lead character, that she was willing to make her own choices. Um, and sometimes, particularly, I think at that young age, like as a teenager, you know, it's so important to feel like you want to fit in. And I think it's very, very brave to stand out through going a slightly different way or making your own decisions, you know, and sometimes being kind, just being kind to someone is a very, very brave thing to do. So I really liked all those themes. That stuff really works for me. Um, interestingly enough, the second, you know, the second male lead, so the third prong of the triangle. <laughs> so he's played, uh, so he's this guy who's been, you know, obviously really likes the female lead since forever. And um, is seeing this, you know, this new cool guy sort of come in and seeing how she's reacting. And he is immediately like his hackles are raised. But he's like the most perfect boy in school, like rich family, does well at his academics, is perfect in every way. The teachers all love him. But you also realize his dad is so rich and pours so much money into the school that he, this young man is able to 
in a way get away with anything um, but he he never does it in a blatantly obvious way but you begin to realize that he is a manipulator and he is scary and he's vicious as fuck but in this very understated subtle way so he targets uh, you know this outsider boy who comes to school and then the perfect student begins to just you know, make this new kid just look bad, accuses him, him of stealing, but always does everything in a very um, subtle way that never, never makes it look like it's him who's doing it. So it's very interesting, you know, I guess um, with a lot of the love triangles that I've seen, particularly in youth dramas, uh, it's more sort of outward fighting. And I guess there's a bit of that, you know, like physical, like grabbing each other's collars and being like, hey, stay away from my girl, all that kind of stuff. Um, but this is very like, very subtle sort of warfare and it's very scary um but interestingly enough this second male lead who's this absolutely perfect guy who's kind of terrifying and a psychopath but not really because you begin to get a sense of his home life and it is not excellent of course so you they'd really delve into why he is the way he is and why he does these bad things and maybe that he doesn't even particularly love that he does these bad things so it's a very interesting kind of character I suppose um, once you lift those layers and begin to look into who he is. Um, so again, you know, those are all um, ingredients that should make a wonderful drama for me. But for some reason, I just never was reaching for the next episode. Um, and I was quite excited when I first heard about this drama and saw the promos and stuff like that. I was like, that sounds like something I would really enjoy. And yeah, just I could take it or leave it, I guess. <laughs> so I left it and um, I just got to a point where, you know, the drama had sort of moved ahead of me and so many episodes had come out and I had too many to catch up and I was just was never feeling like watching it. So in the end, I was like, oh, well, I'll just I'll move on. So I did. Um, so I would be interested. Maybe someone else has had an extremely different reaction to the show than me and really, really loved it. Um. I, it just stumps me that I, I don't, if I feel like I should, but yeah, that's just how I felt about it. Um, so that's it from me on At 18, or also known as Moment of 18. And now we come to Love Alarm. So Love Alarm has just been renewed um, as I record this in 2019 for a season two. And this is an eight episode Netflix show. And frankly, it feels like half of a drama. Um, I'm very glad there's going to be a season two because this feels like maybe it's a 16 episode show that literally just got cut in half and we've only watched the first half so it didn't really feel like it had the correct shape to it in terms of a story structure if you know what I mean um so like a full satisfying story usually has a beginning and then it has you know its first conflict it has the fallout of the conflict and then it has its huge finale and then it has an ending was this drama very much felt like it just meandered um, and it didn't have that kind of um, driving forward I suppose um, in its pacing 
this is personal, of course. Um, I think it's been very, very popular and a lot of people really, really love it. So as for myself, you know, this is just how I felt about it. Um, and I think part of that was that Love Alarm really was one of my most anticipated dramas of the year. Um, it stars Kim So Hyun, who is just my favorite actress. Um, she is wonderful in this. Like one thing I think this show is great for is just an absolute showcase for her. Like she's so good in this. She's very, very charming and very beautiful but so I have done a whole episode discussion um, earlier in my podcast history on this show because I had a lot of conflicted feelings after watching it um, particularly because I was so excited about it and again you know it has these elements in it that I adore um, so many things about it that I loved but also when I was watching it it just wasn't quite clicking for me and I, I'm in my discussion um, earlier on the podcast I really tried to delve deep to understand <laughs> what it was and why I didn't you know why it wasn't working for me um, and I think a lot of it for me personally, kind of came down to the writing of the show. Um, and I can be quite picky about that stuff because I really care about stories. And as an author, I care about how to write the structure of stories so that they feel satisfying. You know, I'm, I've learned a lot about the shape of stories I suppose and you know pacing and things like that so this show for me felt very meandery and I also felt like characters sometimes particularly one of the male leads um, a character called Sano I felt like he would do things and we would never really get to, as a viewer, see inside his head to understand why he did them. And there would never be any consequences to the actions or anyone else in the show wondering why he would do the things he did. And in the end, to me, that kind of ended up feeling like bad writing because it felt like he did something really strange that never got explored or understood and, you know, and. I don't understand why <laughs> why he was like that and unless you give me a reason to understand then he's just going to come across as a little bit unlikable to me. So basically um, the concept of this show is super cool if you haven't seen it. It's this idea that in this you know very close future an app developer has created this app on your smartphone that then within I think it's like a 10 or I think it's a 10 meter radius or something like that if anyone with the same app walks into that and has feelings for you um your love alarm basically will ring and let you know that someone who likes you is nearby the show never fully explains what it means um to ring someone's love alarm like is that to like someone is it to be in love with them or is it to be like attracted to them? Um, and I felt like at different points throughout the show, they were kind of acting like it was one or the other. Um, so I felt like the rules weren't especially clear. Um, but I also think that could be to do with the translation from Korean to English in terms of the subtitles. For instance, you know, the show's called Love Alarm and that's a nice catchy title, but I did notice that whenever it was written in Hangul on the screen, it actually, actually said, I think it was like Chua Alarm. Um, so like, like alarm, but obviously that doesn't sound as good as Love Alarm in English. So maybe that's where some of that confusion came from for me. So maybe that's not really the show's fault. Um, but the interesting thing the show does have, but I felt, again, didn't delve into enough to make me happy, was the fallout on society of an app 
that is so revealing. I liked the fact that obviously everyone immediately gets it on their phone. Everyone has it. And that feels very true to life. Everyone would. I remember when that fucking Pokemon Go came out and you couldn't walk down the street without seeing like 50 people playing it. You know, people, if there's something new and exciting, everyone's going to get it and no one's going to worry about the consequences of it until those consequences are in your face. So that felt very true to life. I just wish that that darker side of the app and the fallout of everyone having it could have been explored um, a little bit more closely. But the tastes that we had of, of how that app would impact society was very exciting. I really loved all that stuff. So the idea that suddenly celebrities are measured by how many times their love alarm is rung and these things get recorded and there's suddenly VIP clubs for certain people and you know celebrity or that kind of celebrity is different now because of love alarm and then you get the flip side of people who never get their love alarm rung by anybody and how that makes them feel like complete outcasts to the point of you know almost little um, suicide cults springing up and you know a lot of rioting and protests of the app um so that stuff is fucking fascinating um the problem for me i loved the main character too um jojo played by kim so hyun she worked for me she was very interesting um i wouldn't say that it's a super fresh character you know she's a very uh, downtrodden young woman who is trying to make her way in the world and is very emotionally lonely and confused and vulnerable um but i did find all her scenes really interesting even though I feel like we've seen that character with the you know the heaps of part-time jobs who has to work really hard to get by and it's trying to be cheerful but um, I really enjoyed all those aspects um, my problem was probably that the whole show is very much so billed as a love triangle and I don't really think that it was but I also think that if you think of this show as the first um, like eight episodes or whatever of a 16 episode full drama then maybe it is going to be a proper love triangle but from what we saw it felt very incomplete and that kind of was a bit strange I suppose um and then my biggest problem was the male lead Sano played by an actor called Song Kang I didn't particularly love him and I think he is very beloved I think that you know I just saw his face all over the internet while this drama was airing but I didn't really like him simply for like ethical reasons <laughs> that I thought he was a bit of a douche and I couldn't really understand why he totally fucked over his best friend by swooping in and making out with the girl that he happens to know his best friend is like completely in love with and has been for potentially a very long time it felt like a very cruel thing to do and then the whole drama is really um you know centered and anchored on that moment where this guy Sano kisses Kim Jojo and then they begin this relationship together and the fact that Sano does that at the expense of his best friend's heart felt very strange to me and was an aspect of his character, the fact that he chose to hurt his best friend like that, it was an aspect of his character that just wasn't explored in detail and I couldn't ever understand why he did it. And also, if he did do it, why there was no consequences and why his best friend wasn't like, fuck you, dude, I'm never speaking to you again, you're a complete fucker. And it didn't really make any sense to me. So I, I don't mind that he did it, that he kissed her, but I wish that the drama had had more consequences to those actions or at least even portrayed them like 
maybe it wasn't a very nice thing to do. Whilst the drummer was just like, all right, that happened. Let's move on. And I was like, what? So in saying (laughs) all of that, I cannot wait for season two and I'm totally going to watch it. Um, That might make you very surprised after all that complaining I just did. So yeah, I feel weird about it. That's why I think I feel so um, conflicted about this show because you know, I never fucking dropped it. I, I wasn't like, a, oh, I could take it or leave it kind of drama. Like I was like, no, nah, I'm fucking watching this to the end. But also it drove me up the wall, but also I wanted to watch it. So I was hooked, completely hooked, but also kind of yelling at my screen and throwing things at Sano's face because he was just such a douche. But I really want to know what happens and um, see how everything falls out. And I'm very, very interested. So I guess you could say that it was a successful drama and I liked it. But for me, considering that it was one of my you know, most anticipated dramas of the year, it did not live up to those kind of expectations that I had for it. Um, but in saying that, I will definitely tune in for season two. So that is it from me for Love Alarm. So next up, I'm going to talk about the K-drama called Flower Crew, Joseon Marriage Agency. So this is a 16-episode drama. It is a Joseon-set historical rom-com. It's – if you (laughs) – I think it's really good. I think this one is well worth a watch. Um, I – Mostly loved it, but then also had some very conflicted feelings about some of the decisions the characters made that I think reflected on their character badly and make me kind of like that character less. Um, I have done a whole episode on this show, so if you want to sort of know much more about it and the setup and what it's about, then um, you can listen to that episode. Um, But I think if you're into historical Joseon set dramas, but you kind of want a lighter one, uh, this is a great drama. It's really fun. Um, The beginning for me was very romantic, like much, much more romantic than I expected. The setup of the love triangle, I thought was really well done. Like it was so complicated and difficult for the characters. So I really, really loved those aspects of it. Um, I also really liked all the characters, particularly, um, you know, in the first half of the drama, I really felt a lot for all of them. I cared about them. Uh, But there was a big problem for me about halfway through with um, the female lead making some decisions in terms of the love triangle, basically um, not breaking up with her boyfriend before she started kissing someone else. And her boyfriend happened to be like standing right there when he heard her confess to somebody else. So it kind of broke my heart. Um, Not particularly because I was on the wrong ship in terms of the love triangle by any means, um, but just because I, I felt like it reflected badly on the female lead's character. It made me like her less because I didn't think that was very ethical. I seem to be talking about ethics a lot in this episode. Um, I guess sometimes I have a pretty strong kind of um, feeling about what's right and what is wrong and what is bad behavior. And, you know, I, I get a bit upset if I perceive a character that I really like to be doing something that I consider very cruel, um, you know, like hurting somebody else's feelings in a K-drama. And that might sound really freaking stupid, um, I think, but, you know, that stuff can really taint a character to me. And I end up not liking um, a character that obviously the show does want you to like, and that can really kind of pose a problem in terms of me enjoying the show. 
Um, so basically, for anyone who doesn't know, this is sort of, um, mostly it's a frothy rom-com, but it certainly has a lot of serious elements as well, because it is a historical drama, and in historical times, people, you know, they're always getting, you know, murdered and stabbed up and shit like that, <laughs> apparently. I'm pretty sure they were, actually. Um, so it is about a young woman who is, you know, she'll do anything for money, she's a commoner, she's running around the marketplace, and... Um, at first I wasn't sure, but she really grew on me. I found her very, very charming. She's very like over the top and a bit, uh, kind of blustery and silly and clumsy and all that kind of stuff. But she's actually quite charming and she accepts the proposal of marriage of her best friend, who's this guy who's a blacksmith. And then at their wedding, which is being organized by this trio of very pretty young flower boy marriage agency dudes, um, her groom-to-be gets stolen away by the royal guards and installed as king. She obviously doesn't know that. She thinks that he is potentially dead in a ditch. Um, so she moves in with the flower boys and helps them with their Joseon marriage agency and begins to get closer and closer with one of the dudes in particular who has his own, you know, backstory of not believing in love and then obviously he's trying to fight the fact that he is falling in love with this young woman. And then, um, you know, one by one, they all begin to realise that the blacksmith is in fact not dead in a ditch and apparently he's a noble now or that's what he's told them. Really, of course, he's the king, but he's keeping that a bit secret from his lady love at least. So as soon as she knows that he's okay, she starts hitting on the other guy without breaking up with him first. So I had issues. <laughs> Obviously there's a lot more to the show than that. Um, you know, there's a the whole storyline about this young man who's been sort of um, installed as the new king of the country and this push and pull with the conspiracies around him. And, you know, people want to control him and he's trying to figure out how to be a king and how to be a good king. And his stuff is very serious and heavy and you feel you know your heart just breaks for him and his storyline and then you know you have all this <laughs> I guess um you know over that on the other side of uh, in the city you just have all this really light frothy romance stuff so tonally sometimes it's a little bit difficult to get so invested in the, the more small scale problems of the marriage agency when you've got Lee Su the king just fucking dying over there trying to do the right thing and that's why I think, you know, when he gets his heart broken by overhearing the love confession of this woman who's promised to marry him, who's confessing to another man, is very, very heartbreaking. But in saying all of that, it is a really good show. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'm very confusing, aren't I? I'm always like, oh, I fucking hate this, but I love the show. But um, I did. I really, really thoroughly enjoyed this show. I had this major problem with what she did and it really kind of ruined her character a bit because I just didn't think it was a very nice thing to do. Um, and, you know, being nice is very important to me, apparently. <laughs> but I would say if you like Joseon set dramas and you're in the mood for a rom-com or you want to watch something that isn't, you know, a super epic, intense Joseon set drama, then this is a great one to watch. Um, I definitely recommend it. Despite everything I've just said, I totally recommend it. It was a surprise to me because I did sit down to watch it, hoping it might be fun. But I didn't expect to care as much as I did. Um, so that was a real surprise that I actually felt emotions for these characters. Um, I thought this show probably wouldn't be that good. And it actually is very good.
So that's it from me on Flower Crew Joseon Marriage Agency. So next up, we're really just getting into all the dramas that I've already talked about um, on the show before. And usually, you know, I've talked about in depth through a whole episode. So I might keep these ones brief, just a really kind of short overview, um, just in case there's any new listeners and this is your first episode um, of this show. Um, So the first one I'm going to talk about is Beautiful Love, Wonderful Life. So um, this drama is absolutely, in all the promos I saw, it looks like the cutest, fluffiest looking rom-com that I've ever seen. And from the first like six episodes, which is all I actually ended up watching, that is definitely not really what's going on in it. Um, I also feel like the, the section that I did watch is just so much set up. It's just set up for what the show will actually be once it gets going. Um, so this one, again, I felt very conflicted about. There was one main storyline that I thought was amazing. I did feel like there was too much screaming and crying and kind of fallout about it. That was a little bit much at the beginning. But as the show really settles into what it's going to be, I really like this storyline. And I found it very interesting. But unfortunately, this is the kind of show where there is two main kind of storylines occurring concurrently. And I fucking hated the other one to the point where I just didn't want to watch it on screen. It was very boring to me um, with just too many screaming people and also everyone was a total asshole. So I kind of had some issues with keeping on going. So this wasn't a show that I felt like, oh, I could take it or leave it. This was a show where I was like, I love this aspect of it, but I fucking hate that aspect so much that I'm not going to watch it. Um, So that's really sucky because I think this show definitely had a lot of very interesting elements to it. So I'll give you a really, really quick rundown. But basically, if you want to know more, you can go back and listen to my recent episode where I did talk in more detail about, you know, those first few episodes that I did watch. Because I, I, mean, I watched a fair chunk of the beginning anyway. So one thing I really liked was the lead actress in this. Um, I hadn't seen her before. Um, she, as far as I know, had a really bit role in school 2017. Maybe she's been in other stuff, but I haven't seen her. Um, she plays a character called Chonga, and I thought she was wonderful. I really, really liked her. So that was a really cool thing to kind of discover maybe a new actress that I would like to see what other projects she has done or will do. So I loved her storyline, which is basically she... Oh, the first episode of this whole drama is fantastic. It's like a little mini mystery as you try and figure out what's going on. Um, and I'm totally going to spoil it for all of you. What is going on is that this young woman, this high school girl, Chonga, is being severely bullied at school. She has made a suicide pact with a boy, another high school age boy online who she's never met. She gets on a train to go and meet him because they are planning to kill themselves together. And on the way, she meets this young army dude on the train and kind of falls in love with him instantly at first sight. And they have this really bonkers sort of meet cute that's very funny and cute and you know weird and she just likes him but she's also really sad because she's obviously about to end her life so she feels like the timing is basically pretty shit um we know as a viewer that this army guy on the train it's actually his younger brother that Chong'a is going to meet and they kind of get ready to go through their plan of killing themselves and in the end the boy does but she, through different circumstance, ends up 
uh, through different circumstances ends up not killing herself. And she also gets given a new lease on life by this young man that she's met who is now dead. So it's a huge fucking tragedy. Like it is dark as fuck. And the whole drama spins off from there for many episodes with basically Chong'a's mother trying to stop Chong'a from telling the truth and trying to protect her and look after her. And then this young student who's just killed himself his mother, who is like a really high-end judge with a lot of like clout and power, sort of throwing her weight around and trying to figure out the truth. Um, and there is just so much screaming and crying and also abuse towards Chonga during this time by absolutely every character except her mother that it is just relentless. It's very hard to watch that many people make this girl, you know, just like freaking grind her down to a pulp when we know she just tried to kill herself because she's so unhappy because she's already getting all this shit bullying at school. So I didn't like any of that. I hated it. And there was just episodes and episodes of it. Um, then we flash forward to the future and the show kind of starts for real. And I really liked the aspect where Chong Ah is then meeting this young guy from the train, this army dude, again in the future. And she never, you know, obviously she doesn't realize it's the same guy and he doesn't realize it's her either. But he has sort of morphed into an unfeeling man who doesn't really believe in love because his brother killed himself or, you know, drowned um, potentially. But, you know, he suspects and he has just shut himself off emotionally to the world. And of course, he and Chong Ah get thrown together and it's all very like hijinks, lots of weird hijinks. And they're going to, you know, eventually fall in love. And then, of course, the huge conflict is that she was with his brother when his brother died and still no one knows the truth because she has kept it secret, which is heartbreaking. But also you kind of understand why she's done that. So it is a great setup, um, even though I felt it took a bit too long to get there with too much screaming. But the downside is that Chonga's older sister is this money hungry, horrible human being who is just out to like marry uh, Gangnam Chebol, who just goes on a crazy mission to marry one. And then, you know, manages it. And then when we flash forward, you know, we find out that he's cheating on her and she's really upset about it. And I'm like, why are you upset? Like, what did you expect? You didn't even like him that much. You didn't even like go near him or spend time with him. And weird, just weird. And she's just mean. She's just fucking mean to everybody. She's so mean to her sister. She's like estranged and won't even talk to her. And then she's obviously going to have a romance with this young dude that she meets um, because, you know, she's living a shit life. But also I don't, care about her and I don't want to watch her have a romance when I think she's such a horrible little person but anyway um the main problem for me was there was just so much abuse and screaming and potentially it was going to wane off a bit at the point where I kind of felt I had to drop the show but the stuff that I liked about it just wasn't on screen enough in the grand scheme of things um even though the stuff that I liked about it was really good. Like if the whole show had just been about Chonga and her sister had been completely removed from the storyline at all, I feel like I would have been a lot more into this show. So yeah, this is one that I both loved and hated it, but I think I hated it so much that I, in the end I had to drop it. Um, I still feel like it's a bit of a shame. I wish someone would like release a cut of the show that was only about Chonga and, you know, everything that goes on around her. Cause I think I would, Totally fucking watch that. But anyway, that's all I have to say on Beautiful Love, Wonderful Life. And 
now we are up to the tale of Noctu. So this is a 16 episode historical kind of, I guess, romantic comedy slash, you know, it all gets very epic and serious later on. This show is fucking gold, you guys. You, if you haven't watched it, go watch it. It's so fucking good. I adored it. So this was, I was excited about it because it stars Kim So-hyun and it is a historical um, show that's set in Joseon times. So I was really keen to check it out. I wasn't excited about the casting when I first saw it. I didn't know who this dude was, but I was just like, eh, whatever. He's amazing. So his name is Jung Dong-yoon. And I didn't realize, but I've seen him before as the second male lead in school 2017. And I fucking hated him in that drama. I hated him so much, but he is amazing in this show. So basically, if you haven't seen it, um, go see it is what I'll say first. It's so good. Definitely go watch it. Um, but this young guy who, so his name in the show is Noctu. So Noctu is... Uh, Basically, he lives on an island with his family and constantly they're having to live in hiding and run away from places um, because these assassins are chasing them or whatever. And so one day he decides that he's going to go and chase the assassins. Um, so off he goes and he ends up following this assassin who it turns out bum, 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 is a woman and she walks into a um, like a women's community for widows. So a widow's um, village, basically, where men are not allowed to go. But he really wants to go in there. So he dresses up like a woman and, you know, that really suits him and he looks super, super pretty. So off he goes and he just integrates himself and pretends to be a widow. And of course, he has to share a room with this young woman. Uh, Dongju is her name, played by Kim So-hyun. And the two bond, she figures out his secret, hijinks ensue, and it is just fucking amazing. So the first half of the whole drama is really centered around him dressed like a girl and they're stuck in this village. And, you know, he's trying to investigate secretly what's going on with this group of assassins and what is there a conspiracy, something that leads all the way to the king. And she, um, Dongju, also has her own weird little secret. Um, so they, you know, they're falling in love and also just fighting each other basically nonstop. It is really, really fun, but also really, really heartfelt. So it's the kind of show that's going to make you laugh, but also really, really move you. The romance is really good. Um, really, really good. And then, you know, it does this big shift halfway through and becomes, you know, almost a different drama where Noctu is again dressing like a man and um, they move, like all the action moves to Hanyang and then this is when things get a bit more serious and like a bit more angsty and tragedy-ish as they, you know, tend to do in K-dramas towards that end run. It is a really, really solid, satisfying show. Um, I loved it. So it is based on a webcomic um, and I'm not surprised. Sometimes I think, <laughs> sorry, maybe it's just because I'm an author, but I always feel like shows that are based on books or, you know, existing webcomics, just existing stories, it's, they tend to be quite strong in terms <laughs> of the plot and everything. Um so this one was like that anyway. I don't know. That's probably just me being biased because I am a writer and I'm into writing. <laughs> but this show was so great. I also really, really loved the second male lead in it. Um, he was 
I think he's a bit of an actor to watch. He was really good, very um, sort of standout performance in this. And I've seen him in other stuff too. So I think he's a very good actor. Um, and I think, you know, I don't really know what else to say except that I just adored it. I loved everything about this show. Um, if you go back, you'll see I've done, you know, a whole episode on it. Um, so if you want to listen to that in more detail, you can. But it's wonderful. It's really good. I think if you haven't given it a go, you should. I think it's the kind of show... Like there is that kind of lighter romantic comedy kind of elements to it. But then all the bigger kind of, you know, Joseon uh, epic kind of um, conspiracy political stuff is there too. So I think it's the kind of show that really has something for everyone. Like the stakes are really, really high and um, everything about it is it really, really got me in the heartstrings. I was very addicted, very hooked to this and it's such a solid show. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely watch it. And that is The Tale of Noctu. Next up is Extraordinary You. So this show is also based on a webcomic. Uh, it's a 16 episode youth drama. It's definitely a romance youth drama, but it has the best sort of twist to it in terms of its setup. So um, I actually found this show to be insanely clever. It is like, it gives you, as say a youth romance drama fan, it gives you absolutely everything that you want from that genre, but it also completely turns everything on its head, pokes fun of that genre um, by having the whole story set inside a romance comic. So it's like it knows all the tropes and it totally, you know, it pokes fun at boys over flowers and all these really, really famous kind of romance shows, um, but also while still giving you what you want from that genre. So it's very, very meta and very, very clever, um, but also you basically get everything you like um, if you like this genre, which I do, which is, you know, a love triangle and teens in a high school and, you know, all that traditional stuff. They're all really rich and, you know, like love triangles and everything happening the way it always does, um, except that the stakes are really, really, really high because because the actual truth is there inside. I'm really not explaining this very well, but basically <laughs> these characters who are just living their lives realize that they are in fact characters in a webcomic. That sounds so stupid and bonkers and I don't even know how to under like how to explain the premise. Um, but it is charming, it is romantic, it is very funny at the beginning of the show, particularly as the characters begin to realize that, you know, they're not real. Um, and, you know, not the main characters. Um, and it's really interesting and clever um, while, you know, giving me everything I want from a romance, um, except that the stakes are really, really high. Um, ah, man, I think I just did the fucking worst job ever of trying to explain that to anybody. Um, but if you want to <laughs> know more about it, like in further detail, you can I've done like a whole podcast about it. So you can go back and have a listen to that um, instead of listening to this because I think I did a shit job. Sorry. Um, it, it was an absolute standout for me in 2019. Such a good show. I just adored it. I liked everyone who was starring in it. I liked the characters. I liked the story. It's 
very, very moving and very clever and very romantic. It's really, really excellent. So if you haven't seen Extraordinary You, you can watch it or you can go back and listen to my episode where, um, you know, I explain it a little bit better what it's about and then go watch it, but definitely watch it. So that's it from me on Extraordinary You. And now we come to the very last K-drama on my list called My Country, The New Age. So this is a 16 episode um, historical saguk. It is not a rom-com at all. It is super serious, super intense, like really, really epic, tragic. It is fucking good. It is such a good show. I adore it. So like a lot of other shows, um, this, this whole drama is charting the end of Goyo and the beginning of the Joseon dynasty. So it is set in a real time period in history. And a lot of the characters in this are real character, real people from that time, real historical figures, um, who basically, you know, ended a, a country and brought down that whole kingdom and then created Joseon. It's such an interesting historical story as it is. Um, the main characters are, it's kind of build like there's two male leads and then this woman, but um, you know, like a kind of a love triangle thing. But frankly, the female lead is certainly not even really a main character, to be honest. Like she's on all the posters, but I don't really think she's kind of a hugely active part of the drama, to be honest. Um, but they're, you know, most of the main characters are fictional and then they're sort of just moving in and out of all these real life conflicts, um, you know, and, and coming into contact with all these larger than life, you know, real life historical figures. Um, so it is, this is a wonderful, wonderful show. It is, it looks amazing. Um, you know, it's interesting, like the, the three leads are quite young. Um, certainly the two guys I've seen in heaps of stuff. So they're not like super newbies or anything, but this drama has a lot of money behind it. Like it looks great. The action set pieces are mind boggling at times. Like um, I think it's about episode three. Um, one of the characters ends up, you know, at war. And there's something like an uninterrupted, huge, long um, fight scene sequence that is, you know, it looks like something from fucking Game of Thrones. It is so well shot. It is heart poundingly exciting. Um, I adore this show. I think it is absolutely brilliant. I can't, you know, sort of recommend it enough. Um, if you like historical dramas and you like a serious one, um, this is so good. It's, it's just wonderful. I really, really cared about the characters and also the actual history of it is just absolutely fascinating. Um, it's shot so well. It's heart poundingly exciting. The stakes are so high, like you know, people do die and it's not the kind of show where death isn't really, you know, a possibility. Um, it's just amazing. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, so I guess <laughs> this is another one that, you know, I've talked about in a whole episode. So if you want to know more about that, you can go listen to that episode or even better, go watch the show. Do it. It's so good. Um, so that is My Country, The New Age.
And that is my whole list done. That's pretty much all the dramas I started that were 2019 dramas. Obviously, I watched a whole heap of other ones, but they were like, you know, from the year before or five years before or whatever. Um, so now it's time for my random thing of the week. So I just wanted to list a few Korean dramas that came out in 2019 that I have not yet had a chance to watch. Um, so, yeah, I'll just run through these. So number one is catch, not number one as in like in any particular order by the way. So just some that I missed. Uh, Catch the Ghost is a drama that stars Moon Gun Young. Um, that one looks cute and interesting. I think uh, that's something I would definitely like to give a go. Um, I don't know much about it, but it looks like um, this sort of kind of low-end cop, I guess, like not someone who's a detective or anything. Um, she's just yeah no I actually don't even know she's just like a cop on the subway basically in the promo and I, I think maybe there's some ghosts or something <laughs> I don't even know but it looks cute so I definitely want to give that one a go uh, next on my list is Vagabond uh, so that stars Susie and Isung Gi uh, I think I want to watch it but I kind of heard a little bit of feedback on it so it's like an action like a massive scale action drama but I've heard that it's a little bit soulless um, that maybe emotionally that side of it's not so solid um, that maybe the plot is a little bit bonkers and doesn't completely make sense but apparently the action is amazing. I do really like Susie but I must say I've been a little bit turned off by some of the reviews that I have read about that one so we'll see if I get onto it or not. Uh, the next one on my list is Hotel de Luna, which of course was one of the biggest hits of 2019. I haven't watched it yet. It stars IU and is basically, she's this, I don't know, this mistress of this weird, mysterious ghost hotel, but she, you know, she has a history that runs all the way back into Joseon times and it has a bit of a tragic romance kind of fantasy element to it. Um, I've heard only good things about Hotel de Luna, so I do want to give that one a go. Uh, next on my list is Watcher. I can't remember if Watcher is a OCN drama or not, um, but it is... It is like a serious sort of crime drama, uh, like a thriller, basically. Um, it stars So Kung Joon, and I quite like him. And also, I'm quite interested to see him in a very serious drama kind of role. Um, so Watcher, I'm, I'm not entirely sure what the setup is for it, but it, it seems like the kind of drama that might be similar in tone to something like Justice or Signal or Tunnel, you know, one of those more serious kind of shows. Um and I am, I'm just really interested to see how So Kung Joon, who I've mainly seen in, you know, romances or fantasy stuff or, you know, nothing really like proper actorly, I suppose. Although I did see him in a sagok a long time ago called Splendid Politics. I don't know if he was particularly like standout in it or, you know... I could take it or leave it, basically. <laughs> um, but I do like it. I do like him. So I think I'd like to see what he's like in a very serious kind of role. And also, I do really enjoy those heavily plotted kind of crime thriller dramas, um, if they're good, obviously. So that's one I would like to give a go. That one was called Watcher. The next one on my list is called Search WWW. I really don't know much about this drama at all, except I think it's kind of like... Um, 
you know, just a, a standard sort of romancy drama. Um, but it looks like the three leads are all women. So it's kind of about them and their relationships and their lives. So I think that that one sounds like something I'd definitely like to try and see if, you know, if I get into it. Um, there's no one in it particularly that I'm, you know, overly excited about, but there is a lot of faces in there that I do like and recognize. Um, next on my list is Secret Life of My Secretary. So this is a total rom-com. Um, I like the actor in it um, and I like the actress too, actually. Um, I've forgotten both their names and I'm not going to look that up because I can't be bothered. But um, so Secret Life of My Secretary is about, you know, like a I don't know if he's a chaebol or he's like a genius CEO, but he's one of these, you know, successful, cold, rich types who's mean. And um, he thinks he's falling in love with this heiress, but really he's falling in love with his secretary who is hoodwinking him and pretending to be somebody else. So, I mean, right there, I've got to say that sounds very unethical. Um, I have read some reviews that kind of make me a little bit worried about it. Um, just in the fact that she does sort of fool him for so long and maybe make out with him when he thinks she's someone else. Cause he has like fucking face blindness or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, as I mentioned on this episode, I have some weird issues about, you know, ethical lines and what you should and shouldn't do. And that to me sounds like an ethical no-no, uh, pretending to be someone else and then kissing someone while they think that you're someone else. That sounds bad. But also it kind of looks kind of like it could be cute. It looks like a cute rom-com. Um, I, I like both the leads enough to maybe just give that a go. So we'll see. Um, maybe I'll have a, a huge rant about it in the future. <laughs> so unethical. Anyway, uh, the next one on my list is <laughs> Welcome to Waikiki 2. Season 2 came out this year. I actually haven't seen season 1. Um, it's not something that I've been particularly dying to see, but I have put Welcome to Waikiki on my list um, pretty much because, uh, oh my gosh, I've forgotten the name of it. Ah, um, Hello My Twenties. So Hello My Twenties is that show which I adore, which I've talked about a lot on the K-drama, which has two seasons and it's about a bunch of girls who live in a share house and each of them, you know, have different storylines and different dramas and different relationships or not or whatever. Um, and I always imagined to myself that Welcome to Waikiki is sort of like a boy version of that. So, you know, a bunch of boys live in a share house and each of them have their own dramas, their own storylines. So I wasn't ever that interested in it until um, I kind of saw Hello My Twenties and I was like, this is so good. And now I'm like, maybe Welcome to Waikiki could also be good. So I do want to give that one a go at some point. Um, so yeah, that was Welcome to Waikiki, technically season two, but I think I'll start with season one, obviously. Um, the next one I've got here is called The Light in Your Eyes, which is a 2019 drama that stars Namju Hyok. Um, I quite like Namju Hyok. I wouldn't watch a drama just because he's in it, but, um, this drama, it's kind of one that I didn't really pay much attention to when it came out or particularly want to watch it. I'm not entirely sure of the setup. Um, I think it's about an old lady who becomes young again and has to you know, very nostalgic, like, you know, poignant, discovering life and living, maybe living in the moment. I don't actually know what the fuck it's about. But um, at the time it was airing, little by little, I just kept seeing it be mentioned online a lot. Um, and people were saying that it was very moving and very striking and the kind of show that really 
pulls your heartstrings and makes you think about things. Um, and that sounds very fascinating to me. So I think probably The Light in Your Eyes is the kind of drama that I'm interested to check out because of that kind of ripple reaction that it had while it was airing. It's made me very intrigued to see what people mean when they when they say, you know, it's so moving. Um, so I want to know. That is The Light in Your Eyes. Um, the next one on my list is Romance is a Bonus Book. This one, um, as far as I know, is just a straight rom-com. It's about a publishing house. So I do like books and I like publishing. So that does sound interesting. Um, it also stars Lee Jong-suk, who is mega, mega famous. And I just don't really like him. I feel a bit embarrassed to say so. I know he's got, you know, so many fans out there. So yeah, just a personal thing. I just don't know what it is, but I don't really enjoy him. <laughs> so I've kind of been putting off watching it simply because even though the setup, you know, just a workplace romance in a publishing house sounds really intriguing and fun for me because I do like books and publishing. It sounds really cute. Um, I really don't like him as an actor very much. Um, yeah, uh, I hope that's not too offensive if, if there's major fans. I know I don't like hearing, you know, someone dissing all my favorite actors or actresses. So I totally get that. So I'm not dissing him. He just, he doesn't work for me. I don't know why. So I've kind of been putting off watching that one because of that reason. But at the same time, you know, it just looks like a very easy to watch kind of rom-com. So that does sound, you know, like the kind of nice show you might want to put on um, if you just need to turn your brain off and just enjoy something. Um, if anyone has watched it, I'd be interested to know if you thought, you know, romance-wise and story-wise, if you thought that was a good one and if it was worth watching. Um, the next one on my list is The Crowned Clown. So I am very interested in this one. I haven't started it. I'm not a mad fan of the lead actor in it, um, whose name I can never remember. Um, but I really, really like the actress a lot. Um, also, it is a Joseph set historical drama and it is um, basically it's set in the aftermath of the Imjin War, which is one of the pieces of, you know, a period of Korean history that I am just utterly fascinated by and really want to know more about. Um, so it's uh, kind of centering around King Gwanghae, who... Um, I guess he was the crown prince during the um, the Imjin War and afterwards he became king. So it's about him at, when he was king. So I'm very, very interested to watch that one. Um, so basically it's about this king. I think the king in it is a bit of a douche and then they find this clown that looks exactly the same as the king and install him as the king. That sounds pretty bonkers, doesn't it? <laughs> and then, you know, when he's the king, he actually turns out to be pretty good at being the king. And I think um, falling in love with the king's wife who thinks that, you know, he is the king because they look the same. So it's like a, you know, mistaken identity twin sort of thing. Um but, you know, a big political sort of uh, epic, sweeping historical. So I'm definitely keen to give that one a go. The next one on my list is called Best Chicken. Um, I know nothing about it except that it looks like a love triangle rom-com. I don't think there's anyone in it that I know or anyone, you know, like that's particularly really big famous or anything like that. But it's just one of those like... <sighs> It just could be good, you know, like it could just be a really fun little weirdo rom-com. So I do want to give that a try. That one is called Best Chicken for some reason. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I think, you know, the love triangle occurs in a little, you know, chicken shop or some shit. I don't know. And then the last one on my list um, is Psychopath Diary or Psychopathic Diary. I actually can't remember, but it's Yoon Shi Yoon's latest drama. And it is being classed as a, what is it? A comedy thriller. And I was like, huh, that is an interesting genre that I have not heard before and sounds really, really fun. So um, he is this complete pushover you know he just works in an office and everyone treats him like shit and stomps all over him and he can never stand up for himself or you know he's just not good at confrontation and then he ends up in the wrong place at the wrong time and you know gets knocked on the head or whatever I'm not really sure but he wakes up at a crime scene and he's pretty certain that he is a serial killer and he ends up with this diary of the serial killer and he's reading it and he thinks he's written it so he thinks by losing his memory, that actually he is a psycho killer. But what is interesting about it, one, he's not, he's totally not, this real serial killer is still on the loose. But what's interesting about it is that his total like pushover sort of personality begins to change because he doesn't think that's who he is anymore, even though it is. So I thought that sounds very interesting. On top of that, it's got um, Yoon Chi Yoon in it, who I love, even though he looks like he has the worst haircut I've ever seen. It's like a literal puff mop on his head which is just not his best look but you know it's Yoon Chi Yoon so I can deal with it um so that's that's the last one on my list that was um I think it's called Psychopath Diary or Psychopathic Diary I'm not entirely sure but it should be pretty easy to find if that sounds like your jam um and that's it from me on my random thing which was the list of other dramas that came out in 2019 that I haven't watched that I hopefully will watch All right, and now it's time for my segment, something that I'm loving this week. So I thought what I would do is similar to last week is just kind of talk about, um, you know, out of all the dramas I've talked about, what were my favorites? Um, I am going to include the ones I mentioned last week. So this is like, you know, not just in the second half of the year, but the whole year, what were my absolute favorite dramas? Um, So for me, this is in absolutely no order. Um, I, my favorite dramas of the year, my country, Kingdom, Tale of Noctu. And then I also mentioned last week the Chinese drama called Bloody Romance. And then very close sort of seconds after those dramas would be Extraordinary You, which is kind of like that youth web, you know, the comic kind of drama. And then also My First First Love, uh, which again was like a a college age youth coming of age drama. So you can kind of see there where my tastes lie, pretty much all with the historical stuff, a tiny bit of fantasy, but, and then the youth dramas. Um, But for the second half of 2019, um, in terms of the quality of dramas, like it kind of blew me away because for quite a long time I was watching My Country, Tale of Noctu and Extraordinary You all at the same time. And you know, sometimes you like flicking through a bunch of dramas and you're like trying the first episode and you're like, eh, this is good. No, I don't, I'm not in the mood or it's not quite right. And you really have trouble finding the one that you want to watch. And then I found myself watching three at the same time that I was obsessed by and even before that watching Flower Crew um, Joseon Marriage Agency which I also just was obsessed by I absolutely loved it even though it didn't kind of in the end make my top dramas of the year so again uh, that was My Country which was just such a good show Um, Kingdom which came out earlier in the year with the zombies I just loved it 
Tale of Noctu, which is a bit lighter in in terms of tone. Um, it's a bit more of a rom-com than the others, which are all a bit more serious. Um, and I just adored it. It's such a good, solid show. Um, just so charming and wonderful. Bloody Romance, which is the Chinese one, like a fantasy romance, just really good. Um, and then Extraordinary You and My First First Love, uh, kind of a close runners up. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm loving this week. Just looking back at all the millions of dramas that I've watched this year and being able to pick out so many good ones from this year. Um, in past years, I think, you know, I've kind of ended up with maybe one or two like absolute standouts of the year, like shows that I'm like, wow, I want to rewatch that. That was so good. Um, and this year there is so many on my list. I'm really quite surprised. I think in terms of quality of K-dramas this year, we got really, really good dramas. And the other cool thing is like, these are my absolute favorite of the year. Um, but there's also quite a lot that I watched, you know, the whole thing and still really loved them, even though they didn't quite make it onto that, you know, the highest top list. I still thought they were really fucking great. So yeah, in terms of quality, what a great year for K-dramas, 2019, really fucking excellent.